talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Philadelphia fans, boo. We do it better than anybody else, I'd like to think. And I wear it like a badge of honor. How can we judge a guy? How can we honestly assess his quarterback play when he's just given some of the most terrible weapons the NFL has ever seen? Here are your hosts. This is one of the more disappointing outcomes for a Philadelphia sports team in the last decade. And John Mita. But Ben Simmons, my God, learn how to shoot. It is the Brotherly Love Podcast on Anchor.fm and a slew of podcast platforms with the one and only John Mita. I am Joe O'Donnell. Again, a mobile edition. We're making the most of these opportunities. Johnny Meade, it's been a minute. How are you? It's been a minute, Joe, but excited to talk about everything that has taken place, man. There's a lot going on now. I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's bad. Yeah. Or I don't know if it's flat out ugly, but we'll get to that. Yeah, we got a lot, a lot to get into. I know you're going to bring some fire over, some venom over at recent Eagles uh, signing, re-signing, but... Uh, Let's start with Nova Nation. Villanova moves on to the Elite Eight. They beat Michigan last night. Uh, Never really in doubt that game other than, I think it was, what, 4-1 Wolverines to start. After that, it seemed like it was all Villanova. They're playing a good brand of basketball, John Mita. They're playing Villanova basketball the Villanova way, as Jay Wright likes to say. Uh, What do you got for me? Are you a little surprised that they've gotten this far? You know, it's... During the course of the season, I always thought that, like, I fought for them. I'm like, they're definitely going to make the Sweet 16. I'm like, and best-case scenario, they make the Elite Eight, right? So here we are. They did make the Elite Eight. Um, Listen, Jay just finds a way. He's just that good of a coach to get his guys prepared. Towards the end of the season, they were playing a lot better. They were able to win the Big East tournament, which was a big thing. They weren't the regular season champs, but they, they found a way. And you look at what they have on their team. And for me, a lot of it comes down to you really need good guard play. And, and some of it also comes down to leadership. You look at teams that have older players. Look at who they're going to face in the next round. Houston, they're littered with, like, juniors and seniors. Guys that have been tested in these types of games. These crunch time, you know, down the stretch. Who's going to be, you know, who's going to get it done? So, they have a great opportunity. I'm not, you know, this team kind of reminds me a lot of the 08 team, um, which ended up in the Final Four. They ended up losing, but they played a tremendous game in Boston. They beat Pittsburgh, and there are a lot of similarities. They just play well together as a team. You look at some of their other championship teams, there were just some of them that were like, just you say, yeah, that, that pretty much is a star player there. So, but I, I love the. This is going to be – it's always you need to get better by every, the next game you play. As you go in this tournament, you have to keep playing better and better and better to get the job done. And, and that's what they're going to need. They're going to need a Herculean effort to beat the Houston Cougars. So Houston last night beat Arizona 7. Kind of just had their way with them the entire game. They play tremendous defense. They have a good head coach, Kelvin Sampson. And it's going to be a true test. But, listen, at the start of this thing, it was anybody's tournament as far as I'm concerned. I, I figured, like, there's eight to ten teams that could get the job done. 
Another sleeper for me is the Miami Hurricanes. Look out for them. I watched them play a couple games. They look completely legit. They look yep. like they're playing together. And at a long shot at plus six, it might not be a bad gig to get in on that. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say I did or I didn't, but let's just say after the way they handled their business to get to the Sweet 16, I was surprised their odds were were where they were. Um, so good point. Glad you brought that up. Here's one thing I've taken from this tournament, uh, the March Madness here in 2022, that I kind of feel like I've always known college basketball-wise, but it's just it comes to the forefront. You can't – and then the, the broadcast networks will put it up on the, you know, the lower third graphic for you, those scoring droughts. You go three, four, five minutes and a half without any points, no matter how well you're playing defensively, those are the moments that shift the balance of a game. Uh, when you're talking a 40-minute game, and, and for the most part, pretty close. Like some of these teams that are getting 9, 10 points in the point spread, I'm taking them all day long because the games normally are pretty much you know down to the wire. Now, sometimes you end up in the foul shot game late, and maybe a six-point game turns out to be a 13-point win because the one team's just in foul mode. By the way, how about Michigan? going balls to the wall, full court press there in the last minute, making that game take an hour when it should have been overall, right? No wonder why Jawan Howard had to go reach across and, and slap some other coach, the Greg Gard from Wisconsin, because Greg Gard was probably like, uncle, dude, the game's over, move on. Um, you know, I give Michigan credit. They played hard to the final wire there, the final horn, but that was annoying. No, uh, no but they yeah, did, you, you, but I mean, you, that's – Nova's Achilles heels. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. If I were playing Villanova, me being an avid fan, I mean, if I had the athletes, I would press them the entire game. Just because they don't do good when teams press them. For some reason, they have a tremendous amount of trouble trying to get in the ball all the time. Now, you saw it in yesterday's game. A couple late turnovers because they were just flat out sloppy. I, I, don't, yeah. I, I don't understand. This is an ongoing problem. I love Jay. He's, you know, probably you know, the best coach in the country. But there's just that thing that just sits yeah. with all of his basketball teams that just drives me up a wall. But, but listen, I, I just, you know, you can't have those droughts, right? You go three, four, five minutes right. and a half without scoring, you could be in trouble. So they haven't had too many of those so far from what I've seen. I've been, I, I have really liked the way that they've played as a team. Uh Caleb Daniels was a man possessed last night. I mean, for him to have double digits off the yeah. glass, you know, you need that. And yeah, you're I'm a big fan of Justin Houston, Moore. So. Justin Moore's had ice water in his veins since he joined the program. Like, I, I love the way they compete. Gillespie is the clear floor general, and I love that. A little scary the way his leg bent late in the game against Michigan. Oh. Last night, I mean, that could yeah. be something. He wakes up today and, yeah. you know, so let's keep our eye on that situation. But and Jermaine Samuels played tremendous. Yes. He had, he had the quietest 22 points I've ever seen yep. in NCAA basketball. Yep. And I and I and the broadcasters brought it up last night. I thought they did a nice job just talking about how, you know, Villanova doesn't have a true big man. I mean, Dixon's done well. But yeah. Dickerson of Michigan was, thank God he couldn't make a shot from underneath the basket. If he hit half well, of the – probably half dozen he missed, it's a way different game. Um, just little tap-ins, layups that were, that were bouncing out, putbacks. But, you know, Nova played 
again, the broadcaster brought this up, is like they're able to play small against bigger teams because they're used to it by now, and they have an approach that works. They're able to swarm the ball. Uh, they're able to take advantage of matchups on the offensive end then. So, again, I, that goes to Jay Wright and the job he's done and this team buying in. Um, they are a team, and, again, they're one of the final eight standing. No matter how it plays out from here, you got to be proud. It's been another great season. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, it's total house money. But, yep. you know, hopefully they can. And getting Dixon in foul trouble was another key to yesterday's victory, no doubt. Yep. All right, what do you got? Uh, where do you want to go next? We got the Phils uh, with a big splash. We got Giroux yeah. getting traded. Let, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk Phillies. All right, Schwarber, Cassianos, boom, inked. They're gonna mash. They're not gonna play any defense, and they're not gonna pitch worth a damn, especially if Wheeler misses April. Aaron Nola, the key to success for this team. Like, where are you leaning here? Girardi staying out of the way. Hoskins or Bohm bouncing back? Like, where do you go on this Phillies team as far as them getting to the postseason for the first time in more than a decade? Well, I mean, finally. As frustrated as we are, as some of us are, especially, especially me, but some of the other organizations in this town, the Phillies finally go out, they make some big signings. Because, you look at their baseball team, right? Their their farm system is straight trash. It's and hard. I heard it the other day. There, there was talk to like, well, Mickey Moan, you know, the Phillies are looking for a freaking center fielder. We had to bring back a Duval Herrera, which, again, we did it because he was just cheap and available. And I guess just, I don't know. I, I It's just easy to bring him back. I want but nothing to do I, with that guy. I, I totally agree with you. The only, the only, if you look at the silver lining with the signing, the only thing I can take out of it is the fact that they were able to get two sluggers and they had to pay those other guys, and we just needed somebody. But if the great Mickey Moniak, the number one draft pick, if he was an everyday center fielder for this baseball team, we wouldn't have these types of problems. Even but, if he could just play defensively. I don't yeah. even care if he hits. That's even better. Seriously, you make a great point there. Like so, if you had if you had Ronald Torres, right, so to speak, like a guy that slaps the ball, can run a little bit, and can play defense. That's all you need. Like, that's it. Honestly, Roman Quinn would be like the as far as can run, can cause havoc on the base. Now he couldn't do anything but strike out. But like that type of player. Like Doug, give me Doug Glanville or whoever the hell. Think of a former Philly center fielder that could at least just, you know, cover center field for Christ's sake. They're going to hit enough. They don't need their center fielder to to jack, you know, twenty five home runs. They just need somebody to play the outfield more than efficiently, like at a plus level, and get on base occasionally. That's it. Shouldn't be that hard to find somebody. No, I, you know, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, the contract is, his contract's like a million dollars. You got to give Dave Dombrowski. Like, can, we, can we get Marlon Bird back? Uh, Marty Bird. How about Ruben? That some will come up tomorrow and see if he's got anything left in the tank. Junior, you know, to come out and play. 
Junior? You want junior or senior? Oh, yeah, give me junior, I think. Yeah, we, I need think so, young, we need young. We need the youth movement. Where, how about Lenny Dykstra? I see Dykstra on Twitter all the time. He looks like he's gassed up and ready. You know? <laughs> Get nails back in the fold. What do you think? <laughs> uh, listen, honestly, I would take anybody. Like Adam Hazley, we don't know what happened. Matt Veerling is supposed to be running around out there. He stinks. Odubel Herrera is the worst. I'm so done with Doobie. Peace. See you later. Like, yeah. Anyway. What, what are your thoughts? I mean, listen, I, I just – this team's going to score runs. And the question is, are we going to have enough pitching to, to get to the bullpen? And if the bullpen can just be average, not like absolutely horrendous like they have been the last couple of seasons, like by far the, the worst bullpens yeah. in all of Major League Baseball, yeah. if they're just average – I think we're in for a good, really good season. John Mita, we talked about this on a previous podcast, I feel like, a long time ago. But the bullpen was not only historically bad two years ago, but this past year. And yet they changed over like two-thirds of the bullpen from one year to the other. And pitching coaches. Like, yeah. So I don't even know where to start. Is it the manager then? Like, does he not instill confidence in these guys? Do they not know their roles? Are they not comfortable? They were just so streaky. There were stretches last year where they were okay. But when they were bad, they were so bad, and it plagued everybody up and down the bullpen. And that's what you can have. You can have – if you have one guy that's struggling, that's fine. You can hide it. You can give bullpen sessions. You can work around it. But when you've got the entire pen struggling, especially the late-inning guys, you're screwed. And yeah. I just hope they can find a way to get off to a good start out of the pen – to build some confidence, and, and then you roll through the season. If you hit a low, you hit a low. Yeah. Every bullpen hits a low. But you and can't it, you can't poop the bed to start, and then you're so bad that even recovering minimally, your numbers are still atrocious. Like, they have to get – the familiar guy they signed from the Mets, he's my new you, – you know, Tommy Hunter. We know how you felt about Tommy Hunter for, for oh so long. Yeah. There have been many relievers over the years that I've absolutely hated – Alvarado being one of them last <laughs> year that I just – he was driving me crazy. Put Familia on my list from now. I haven't even seen him pitch in a Phillies uniform. I already hate the guy. Yeah. Um, I didn't I, like I him when he was with the Mets. He's going to be the guy I hate. I can I can tell you from now. I, I just – I mean, for me, it's – you see teams that have success when it comes to their bullpen, everyone, and I've said this countless times, so bear with me, people. I'm sure you get sick of hearing it, but you got to have guys that know their role, right? They need a defined role. I need to pitch in the eighth inning. I'm going against this guy. If they can find their identity for, for those types of roles, I think we're going to be just fine. The one bright spot is Sir Anthony Dominguez coming off yeah. Tommy John. Yes, he's Sir back. Anthony back in the fold. He had a, he, he struck out the side the other gas, day. Cause gas, so. He struck out the side the other day. That's so why I was going to go next. I got two names for you that might yep. be able to salvage the pitching staff. Sir uh, Anthony Dominguez is one, and God, yeah. I know in July I'll be cursing myself for for having faith yes. in him. Yeah. Ranger Suarez is the other. Oh, if the he Rangers. can, if if the lone Ranger can build off. The back half of last year. Now, we've seen this before with guys. We've seen Eflin. 
We've seen uh, – who was that guy that Larry Anderson said was going to win the Cy Young, and he literally was out of baseball within a year. Um, not Eflin. It was the other guy, the starter. Oh, wow. Drove everybody crazy. Oh. God I'm damn it. The guy they got from the Rangers? Uh, no. Ken, no, this uh, was a this was a farm system guy. Uh, uh, I'll pull it up while we're while, while we're BSing. But anyway, let's hope that you know you get Ranger Suarez to give you some quality starts, and he doesn't end up going back to the pen because I don't know who else they added up front starting pitching wise. And everything I've read, Matt Gelbin, the Athletic, the other day said that Zach Wheeler is going to miss the start of the year for sure, and probably throw like. I don't want to say some rehab starts early, but like you might see him get a couple of innings of May games until he gets back his arm strength going again. So you might not see Zach Wheeler in a real start until May, which is scary. I, I did hear that. Never give when your ace gets the old dead arm syndrome. Ugh. Yeah. But so, we got some boppers. So if we yep. scored 10 runs a game, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. <laughs> yeah, but you know how it goes. It's cold to start the year. Oh, you know, nobody's – it's not hitting season yet. Like, Yeah, but I'll tell you what, Castellanos, you want to talk about a personality that is just going to mess with this I city? I know. He I like is, it. I mean, I saw his picture when John Clark interviewed him at the airport. It's like, Here we oh, go. Yeah, I found the name. Hang on. I found the name, Johnny yes. Mita. Eichoff. Jared Eichoff. I knew it. Gosh. I knew it started with Jared Eikoff, and let me add another one in there for Say you. Say my name. Nick, it's Nick Pavetta. Ah, uh, Nick Pavetta. Yeah, two gems. Who's Jake Thompson, just... I think. I think Jake Thompson's the guy they got in that trade. Uh, who is the guy? Let me throw. Let me throw range? Adam Moore. How about Adam Morgan in there? Uh, Pat Neshek. Well, Neshek. Look at some of these bums we used to have. Oh, um, Neshek is right at the top of the list. But nobody is better than Tommy Hunter. Most Vinny hated Velo. Velo Vinny Velo it. got a contract. Did you see that? Listen, this guy can play some. He can play some left field here and there. You know what I mean? <laughs> well Defensively, played. honest to God, we might want to bring him back. Defensive purposes, late in games, just as a left fielder. What do you think? He can hey, still listen. swing this stick a little bit. I'm 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 fine with anything over a Dubal Herrera in center field, literally. I got. Um, all right, Castellanos, yeah. you like his press conference? Is uh, oh, yeah. what do you say? I hit baseballs. I, yeah, they're, goes, they're making T-shirts already. Because, I know. Because I don't have a college degree, so I hit baseballs to feed my family. I think that's just tremendously yeah. wonderful. He's got. He kind of. No, I didn't watch it. I heard just yeah. a couple of clips on WIP in his interview with. With I think it was with Zozo Todd Zalecki, oh, yeah, but it, but the way he said some things so matter of factly made me think it makes me think of Hunter Pence and like the let's go eat like he's yeah. just a like I don't want to say he's a meat stick but he's just like a jock like he's Cassianos is a baseball player like he's just a baseball player but I think he's going to bring some tremendous leadership I think if guys aren't given the role or people are yeah well that's off, the one thing I've heard so- is he's fiery. And the one and thing, I'm wondering, you know, he's going to hold people accountable. Let me lob it. this. Let me lob this your way. Will there yeah. be any friction there with Bryce Harper? Not at all. all Bryce right. wanted these guys. So big shout out to Bryce Harper. Okay. In the middle of the year, he put out the wish list. He was like, "Well, give me Schwarber, 
Castellanos, I mean, my friend Chris Bryant. They got Chris. I mean, Chris Bryant would have been great too because he's just a versatile player, plays so many different positions. But the fact that you were able to get Schwarber and Castellanos for the same amount of money that Chris Bryant went to the Colorado Rockies, well done, Dave Dombrowski. Give him a cheesesteak. Uh, day, base, uh, by the way, na- yesterday, National Cheesesteak yeah, uh, cheese Day. National Cheesesteak Day yesterday. Um, real, my, my final thought, and it's on Dombrowski and this defense. Uh, I read a long piece. I think it was Jason Stark in The Athletic, who was basically like, all of MLB is laughing about how bad the Phillies' defense might be this year, literally. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but scouts and – anonymous sources and they're like well you know who knows like maybe this guy will play a little better this guy will play a little better you know they're gonna hit the ball but yeah it's kind of risky like Dave Dombrowski has been the architect of two teams that have been pathetic defensively that have made the playoffs so there haven't been many where the Phillies were last year like minus 56 runs saved like some analytical basically like they're as bad as it gets and they probably got worse because, you know, they didn't add any good defensive players and the guys they brought in aren't exactly known for their gloves. But Dave Dombrowski has done this before with the Tigers and gotten teams to the playoffs. It stunk defensively, metrically, numbers-wise, statistically, you name it. But they've gotten to the postseason because they can rake. So there is precedence there with this general manager. That's all I got on the Phils. I like it. All right. It's- Claude yep. Giroux plays game 1,000, and then peace, see you later. Florida Panther now. I believe he made his debut last night. I didn't see how he did. He did. He had two tallies, two assists last night. For, for two Clark. points, two apples. Two apples, yeah. They're a good team. I'll tell you what, though. The Panthers losing Aaron Ekblad, who is their Chris Pronger, if you will, is a huge loss for them. We'll see how long he's out. But they're as good as anybody in the NHL. Um, just on Giroux. Unfortunately, never got it done. But you have to credit what he brought wearing that crest, you know, that Flyers logo for so long. Longest tenured captain in team history. Uh, What did he finish with? 900 points or just under 900 points in his career. And to play 1,000 games with one team is pretty remarkable. Now, those that ripped the trade, let me lay two things out for you. And I, this is not just me. This is coming from NHL people listening to podcasts, whatever. Claude Giroux said, I'm going to Florida, and that's that. Florida knew that. The Flyers had a lack of negotiating power because of it. They could have played out the string with Claude Giroux in this lost season, and you possibly get nothing for him if he leaves. So to get a future first-round pick and to get Owen Tippett, I know they sent a couple of – contracts back but they cleared contracts by doing that you're only allowed to sign so many guys on nhl contracts each team so by moving bunham in and rubitsoff or whatever the hell his name is they freed up contracts to sign guys but owen tippett is a young kid he's got some size i know he started on the wing i think he can play a little center as well but the potential on tap there let's see if they can develop him. and the first round pick they get i actually like the fact that it's a few years down the line because the Panthers right now are an absolute wagon. They're going to finish, you know, second or third in the league this year. And next year, they're not going to drop off. But maybe you hope that two years from now, they're not as good. And maybe that first round pick is maybe the 15th pick. 
the 28th or 30th or 32nd pick. So I don't mind the fact that the first rounder comes years from now. Again, because right now the Panthers are so damn good, the first rounder is going to be at the bottom of the first round. So Flyers had their hands tied, unfortunately. It was basically a one-team race over the last week or so. The Panthers knew it. Giroux said, I'm going here. He told everybody that's where he was going. That didn't give the Flyers a lot of leverage. It is what it is. Good luck to Claude Giroux in chasing that cup. And now the Flyers really begin to move on. The question is, do you bring him back? Because he could be a free agent next no, year. No, I don't. I agree. It's time to move on. Yeah, uh, he, because, listen, again, he never got it done ultimately. Yeah. And, I, and I don't know whose fault that was. Yeah. They never had no, a goaltending. They never built a team around yeah. him, whatever. At the end of yeah. the day, he never elevated the players around him enough to get it done, in my opinion. That's that's a, I, I kind of feel the same way. Tremendous player, tremendous talent. But he just, you know, unfortunately, the Flyers need the next guy. Yep. And, and when I say that, they need an absolute stud. And hopefully this draft, I was talking with some people, Apparently, there's like three guys in the top three that could be difference makers for your franchise, especially the number one pick. You know, maybe Gary Bettman in the NHL could throw the city a brotherly love, a meatball, and we get a first pick and we don't blow it and we get the next superstar because that would be incredible. Yeah, and I look, uh, when I saw Chuck Fletcher briefly at that game in Philadelphia, by the way, great times hanging with you, my friend. I know we talked about that earlier, but. Um, Always he said he kind of gave me the, hey, you know, tough season, but at the end of the day, like, we're going to get a pick we didn't expect, so got to make the most of it. Um, they will be in the top five for sure. It, it, I hate I hate saying I hate when they win because I love a lot of people in that organization and I've worked with them and I consider them friends, but this team needs to lose and get the best possible pick they can. Bottom line. I agree. No doubt. All right, on to the – by the way, a couple of Drew highlights – you know, taking the team to the cup final in 2010. Um, scored an unbelievable goal in, in that clinching game. I think it was shorthanded against the Canadians. Obviously, that Crosby shift where he flattens. Oh, yeah, the Cordy Hell and Cindy. Yeah. And Cindy, and then he buries one in the, in the, in the Wachovia Center at the time, whatever it's called, was going bananas. So, yeah, uh, obviously a great player for a long time. Um, all right, to the Eagles quickly, uh, please. Yeah. Take the floor, John Mita, and tell us why you hate the re-signing of Derek Barnett. Because if anybody has a different opinion, the one you're about to throw out there, I'd like to have their head examined. Go ahead, my friend. Well, I'm just so frustrated. As many Eagles fans in the Delaware Valley area, like, I, I just can't take this anymore. Like, I, I get it that where, you know, it's contractually and money-wise – we still have a lot of dead cap money. We don't have a ton of money to spend. But the two moves that just really, just really pissed me off is the fact that we re-signed Fletcher Cox for $14 million, and we re-signed Derek Barnett to a two-year deal. Another failed Howie Roseman draft pick. Is this a signing just so they can save face because he has another failed draft pick? And nobody can tell me the money. And everyone reports it. Yes, I'm Tell me what the money is. Listen, they get this guy under $5 million per year, and that basically just signifies that he's a you know just a rotational player that you sprinkle in with your eight defense alignment. Okay. 
We knew that Derek Barnett's market wasn't that hot. It's pretty damn obvious how many teams had him in for a visit. I can tell you none of them. Okay, yeah, Jannard Avery that was getting more visits than the great Derek Barnett. And the guys had more penalties than sacks in this league. And it just frustrates the hell out of me. This team is in desperate need for number one wide receiver. They wanted Calvin Ridley. Great. They struck out. It sucks. I wanted Calvin Ridley more than that. He would have been a perfect fit. Turns out he's got this gambling scandal. Hassan Reddick. Good signing, right? Going to be a going to add to the pass rush. I like it. Local kid. Bring him home from Jersey. Great. After if Hassan Reddick, hang on. If Hassan Reddick hadn't played at Temple or been from Jersey, would anybody have cared as much? No, probably done. not. Probably no. not. Good but I like it. I like it. It's a good addition. It's their best no, addition like, of the offseason. Listen, but, you know, we still need help at linebacker. We still need help at corner. Safety. And then there's all this talk regarding the draft. Oh, what's how he's going to do? Oh, there's no way in hell he's going to draft three people. The only thing I can think of is maybe he will draft three picks. Because money wise to put all those first-round picks in the wallet. Now, I don't know what the hell this guy's going to do, but he just pisses me off. And I'm I'm tired of the run it back. Listen, you want to see what you have in Jalen Hurts? Go get the man's and let's find out. If he's got to throw to Arthega Whiteside and, and, oh. and, and Jalen Rieger and, Stop. hey, they brought back Greg, year, uh, Greg Ward for another year. Woo! Zach Pascal, great deal. You know, I'm glad we could bring in Nick's guy from Indy. Listen, decent receiver, played at Ohio State, had some ability. I'm okay with that. But let's go get this guy number one wide receiver. I mean, I think this team needs four receivers. I'd like to see him get Devontae Smith, a veteran, and maybe draft a couple guys. Like, the late rounds. But, oh, man, Howie Roseman just sucks. He sucks, Joe. He sucks. And he got a contract extension. Yeah, yeah, contract. Like, well, I don't know how he's going to be sticking you around. Know, the you know they waited. Show. You know oh, they waited. No. Oh, hey. it's typical Jeffrey. Joffrey. Hey. We'll just yeah. call him Joffrey in a minute. He's so hated right now. You, you know, hang on. You know they waited to announce the Barnett re-signing until after the Roseman extension was announced so that yeah. people couldn't. Just murder him before they gave him a five-year extension or whatever the hell they gave the GM. I got I got one thing on Derek Barnett, okay? A, I don't like him as a person, and I don't even know him. Okay? <laughs> he seems like a scumbag. And and I he would just say this. Clark. Why two years? Why? Well, hopefully the second year is votable, but I, I'm avoidable. I, I mean, why? Why would you do that? Um, I, I mean, listen, other, other than – Having that football fall into his lap in the Super Bowl, I don't know one other thing he's done. The guy brings nothing to the table. I, right. I just, I'm so sick of just running it back. Like, give me some fresh blood. Give me some young talent. All right, Johnny Mita, let's put a bow on this thing. And one of the common themes we've had, um, it's kind of just happened in conversation. We did talk about adding this in at the end of today's episode here on the Brotherly Love podcast. Uh, was to talk about some of the worst draft picks in Philadelphia sports history, certainly of recent memory. Uh, you mentioned Mickey Moniak. We yep. talked about the Flyers now needing the, the next big thing in this year's draft or future drafts. Uh, we talked about Derek Barnett. So we've kind of had some draft pick conversation without even – 
really intentionally steering it that way, but we did want to give our fine listeners, all six of them, yep. a, uh, a list of our, I don't know, biggest busts, most hated draft picks, whatever. Uh, all mine are in the last decade or so, 20 years probably. Um, I have five of them. Uh, I don't really know if I have a particular order, but I, I think I do. So you want to go first? No, you go first. I'm gonna all right, I'm going to go from five to one. All right. All right. Give it to me. Number five, I have Markel Fultz. Oof, he's in the list. The Celtics fleece the Sixers. They never wanted Fultz is what we hear now. They took Jason Tatum. The Sixers could have literally taken anybody else other than that bum, Markel Fultz. And you'll see a trend here with a lot of mine, John Mita. It's not doing your homework on the mental stability, capacity, dedication, <laughs> drive and fire of a player. And some of them might have issues. And if they do, well, I don't want to sound like I'm insensitive to that. But honestly, Markel Fultz was soft, in my opinion, and was a terrible draft pick. Number four is Nolan Patrick. Yep. Uh, had a lot of skill coming out of the Western Hockey League, the Brandon Wheat Kings. But the Flyers made a terrible mistake in taking him number two overall. Remember, that was a year where they weren't the second-worst team. The lottery balls, the ping-pong balls, they bounced their way. Nico Heischer goes one to Jersey. Nolan Patrick goes two to the Flyers. There was a big debate. I remember we had it on this podcast. Who do you take, Heischer or Patrick? Who's going to be there? Turned out it was Nolan Patrick. Turns out it was a huge mistake. He's never been able to stay healthy. Hasn't translated to the NHL level. Kale McCarr and Miro Haskinen, two all-world defensemen, went right after Nolan Patrick. They could have changed the Flyers franchise forever. Number three, Danny Watkins. Yes. After Danny Watkins went Cam Jordan, Mark Ingram, Nate Solder went a few picks prior. That first round of the NFL draft wasn't great, but Danny Watkins was an absolute joke. Again, he didn't want it. He chose to be a firefighter. He came out of Baylor to play right guard. Big Red missed on a lineman who didn't do his homework, I guess, apparently, on whether this guy wanted to play football or not. Danny Watkins, number three. God damn, what a bad pick that was. Number two, J.D. Drew. The Phillies took him, I think it was second overall, between uh, behind a pitcher that went to Anaheim. He obviously never signed because Scott Boris wanted him to get $10 million or whatever it was. He goes back into the draft. The Cardinals take him fifth overall after he played a year for the St. Paul Saints. J.D. Drew never played a second of baseball for the Phillies. They took him number two overall. Here are some guys that went after him in the first round. Troy Gloss, Lance Berkman, Vernon Wells, and a guy that came back to play for the Phillies, Jay Worth. Jason Worth went later in that first round. Screw you, J.D. Drew. Screw you, Scott Boris. Waste of a pick. And number one for me, still stings to this day, will sting for the next 10 years, Jalen Rager, when Justin Jefferson was sitting on the board. Screw you, Howie Roseman. Screw you, Jalen Rager. That's all I got. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. I like the list. I'll add to them. Uh, one that, you know, let's, let's talk no one. This is no particular order. We're going to go with Zaire. Zaire Smith, okay? Oh. We, we trade away Mikhail Bridges for Zaire Smith. That guy, who knows? I think he's on cameo right now. What a ter- terrible pick, okay? 
I like your Rager pick. Mickey Moniak, number one overall pick, okay? And now there's chatter that the guy has no role in the organization. Awesome, Phillies. Why not take anybody from the state of California who weighs 165 pounds soaking wet and can't play worth crap? Thank you, Philadelphia. Who else? Where else do I go? You've named a lot of them. And for me, I'm Ben Simmons. You know, Ben Simmons is going to go down as a wasted draft pick. He was part of the process. Didn't get it done. I mean, not a terrible player, but I don't know. At, there, least, he turned, at least he got yeah. to James Harden. Yeah, I mean, again, we'll go some oldies but goodies. Okay, Larry Hughes over Paul Pierce, oh. Larry Brown. And that that's that's going to be the equivalent to our Jalen. When I think of that, that draft yeah. pick, I think of Jalen Rager and Justin Jefferson. It's like deja vu there. Larry Hughes uh, instead of Paul Pearson. Who was the other guy? There was a guy from Michigan State that guard more uh, Mo, Mo Peterson. Mo Peterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he yeah. went right after him too. Yeah. And and there's just there's just been so many, so many blunders. I mean, could we just get it right? And another one for me who's been a disappointing is Andre Dillard. Now, I don't know if this is no fault of his own, but the Eagles didn't think he'd fall in the draft. And next thing you know, they never had the guy in for an interview, never did any work. They decide to move up five slots and draft a terrible draft pick so far. Well, just Maybe the fact we, they had to move up to get him. Right. Know? And they knew nothing about him, which is even worse. Yeah. So, anyway, but that's all I got. All right, John. Made a good stuff, great, brother. Great Glad list. you got this yeah, off we'll, your chest. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk more Sixers. Season winding down. Joel Hunt, MVP. We all know he's going to be the MVP. So, you know, they're, they're going to do some things if we can get our bench figured out, but Next podcast, we're cutting a little short because of time constraints because of me. And uh, next podcast, uh, we'll, we'll hit it heavy with Sixers. And hopefully we're talking about Villanova in the Final Four. We'll see. And the NFL draft will be nearing by the time uh, we do yes. another podcast. All right, yes. John Mita, quickly. Who yep. cuts down the nets? Woo! Who cuts down the nets? That is a great question. Man. Um, oh, man. Um. I still like UCLA, man, for some reason. Really? They were close last year, and they have the pieces. Now, they're going to be in a tremendous dogfight tonight with North Carolina because I think North Carolina is playing better than anybody in the tournament. That's who I like. So, All right, UCLA, you heard it here. Yep. And, uh The Bruins and Miami's a sleeper. Hopefully it's the Cats, but that's what I get. Yep. yep. All right, John, me the good stuff as always, my friend. You got it. You too, brother. Be got well. It. Good luck. And hopefully your boys get, get fiery hot. And uh, we'll be seeing you in the playoffs real soon. You got it. Appreciate everybody tuning in for John Mead and Joe Donald's The Brother of the Love Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you.